Shio Nagad. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Owl. I am your host of the Origin Story Podcast, where once a month I ask an artist I respect to introduce me to a piece of work or an artist they love. This month, October, Stan Merritt is introducing me to Roger Zelazny's A Night in the Lonesome October, and we're making a project of it. We're reading a chapter a day and talking about it at the end of the week, and it is the end of the week, Saturday morning. We've second weekend. Stan, how you feeling about it? Uh, feeling good, man. Having a lot of fun. It's always great to, you know, to reread this thing. It's like find something new every time you do it. So. Is there any more pressure and that you've recruited me to join you on this? And by the way, now I've also recruited people as well. So I, 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 I feel some pressure. Oh, yeah? No, you shouldn't feel any pressure about that. And do I feel any pressure? No. Yes, I know. It's, it's too much fun to feel pressure, man. This is just like a joyful, joyful, geeky celebration. And it's all Out, good. Outstanding. Yeah. And pressure is a privilege anyways. Mm-hmm. That's uh, true. Good point. I'll, very good. Cool. So last week, we stopped at October 7th. And mm-hmm. I, I, don't, we don't think we, I don't think we need to do a full kind of catch up here, but... Basically, what had happened in this first kind of seven days is we've we've been introduced to the characters. We know that there's a game. We've got lots of cool little insights, and um, we've had a reminder to uh, uh, to Jack to you know not make mistakes from the past regarding uh, concentration and the uh, opposite sex. Uh, why don't we get right into October eighth and see what happens? Because things there's a nice little shift here, which I think is kind of fun. Hmm. Yeah, lots of lots of stuff going down this week, toward right. the end especially. So the beginning of October eighth, we meet a new character, which and that's kind of exciting. His name is Larry Talbot. Uh, he knocks on the door. Snuff. I love the, this phrase here. I barked twice when the door's chime sounded because it was expected of me. <laughs> like he wasn't worried. Like that's just <laughs> that's just their routine. That's just what they do. Uh, that's right. Who is Larry Talbot I mean, who, who, when he comes well, in? I don't here? know, man. You know, that name might. Hmm. I walked a fine line and I've really walked a tightrope already about like what's a spoiler and what's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, the struggle is real, Michael Owl. I mean, it really <laughs> yeah, is. Funny. I believe you. So I did something that I'll discuss after the book is over that some might perceive as a spoiler already, but it really was not. But anyway, um, so that name, Larry Talbot, Talbot might mean something to movie buffs and, you know. Um, may or may I not, did, but I, I did no research. I did no internet. I didn't want to. I wanted to figure it out or have it come to me, and it means zero to me. And I, I used to consider yeah. myself a cinephile. Then I, then I met some real cinephiles. But in uh, that regard, I am not. I am not a cinephile, though I do like am an amateur, very base, casual lover of movies, hobbyist. <laughs> but uh, just think, just think, classic horror genre, as one might expect. And right. um, I don't know shit. I don't. It, it, you know, it becomes pretty obvious, but, you know, if there are any movie guys out there, they may be uh, ding, 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 you know. I gotcha. Um, well, what I noticed. Yeah, our, uh, old friend, our, our old friend from school, Nathaniel Thompson, uh, he would, not only would that, that, that would be child's play to him being the movie expert that he is, but he would have already figured out the entire plot of this book, how it began, middle, how the denouement would be, and well, how it was going to end, because that's Come, who he is. And completely. Anyway, have you I, listened to any I of his- shout um, out to that guy. Heck yeah, have you listened to any of his like audio commentary? This is a guy we went to high school with, uh, really smart. He's in Los Angeles. I'm not sure exactly what he does, but often- I'll uh, see on Facebook where he's posted. Basically, he's doing like uh, audio commentary on DVD and Blu-rays. 
for like these very cool older movies. So I'm not sure exactly what he does, but he does something and he knows seems to everything. <laughs> He's a badass. And and he, and he and he does it quite prolifically. Uh he is this guy is like upper 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 echelon in the the um horror film world. I mean, he is like the top 99.9999%. I mean, he is an absolute savant-like genius and knows everything about any movie that you ever have seen. Uh, knows more about any movie than Tarantino ever thought about knowing. And yeah. anyway, he would, uh, you know, this is his, this is his jam. So I'm sorry, I, I, you know, we're, we're digressing, but it's just so fun because it makes me think of the guy, you know, when we're doing this, but uh, completely, he, uh, you know, he was, he ran, the, he ran the Academy of uh, Motion Picture Arts and Science. He ran their website for a long time and he does massive commentary and he has a website called Mondo Digital and he just he's just all over the place. I don't think any of us truly know just how involved he is out there, but he is uh he's something else. So yeah. shout out to that. Nathaniel Thompson. Yeah. Shout out Nathaniel Thompson. So um, we were talking about this new character, Larry Talbot. Go ahead, Harris. I, I mean go ahead, so Michael, I'll let you go. I love uh so I just love the whole kind of uh I don't know if the premise is the right word, but I like when game recognizes game. I think Everybody likes that. And <laughs> that's what we got here is these two kind of uh, interesting singular figures coming together, having having a cup of tea. Uh, Larry says, I'm your yeah. new neighbor. Just want to say hi. And I think they immediately, uh, well, actually, before there, this is what I kind of, I love Snuff talked about. He goes, I watched the two big men, the air of the predator about each, sipping their tea now and discussing the exotic flowers Talbot cultivated and how they might fare even indoors in this climate. So we've got two badasses uh, with an aura of uh, wildness about them, and they're just sitting there having tea. Uh, yeah, so this cool. is the... this is, We're kind of beginning to see a bit of the, um, the, I don't know, dichotomy. Not really, it's a... Gosh, you know the word I'm trying to think of. But we're going to see the the collision of savagery and very gentlemanly slash gentlewomanly um, sensibilities and, and mannerisms in, in the book. And it, it, we see it a lot this week. And it's, uh, you know, these these super refined savages who are lovers of nature and, you know, and, and do a proper tea and and, uh, and sip sherry when the time's right. So that's right. Anyway, it's like they have like yeah, their, their, their cool. code and then they also have their their wild side. So in this chapter, so we have so. something actually happens as far as like the things, right? Yeah, absolutely. Crash from the attic and all of a sudden they are in action. Uh, Snuff follows them upstairs. And I love this line too. Right. Again, just a hint of the, it's just one little phrase, but it, you get it. Like Talbot moving as silently as the master. Like that shit's fun. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You wonder if there's a foil aspect or just a twinning or, you know, you just don't really know what to think at this point other than what you said. Yeah, Exactly. What are these, yeah, what the, are they going to be to each other? Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Part of the slow reveal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, it's the thing from the wardrobe that escapes and they have to force him back in. Uh, a lot yeah, of fun. But- and Jack Jack turns, he hides the blade so that uh, Talbot doesn't really see it, but Talbot kind of clearly knows who he is. And at the end, I love this goodbye. It's like, for as he was leaving, he said, I see some busy days ahead before this month is out, which we have, but we see that too. If you ever need help of any sort, absolutely count on me. And he says, without even knowing my persuasion. So immediately, boom, they know they're both in the game. And Talbot's like, I think I know it. And I right. was like, right. that's just such a nice moment. 
and good dog you've got there knows how to close a door. Like uh, how uh, fun is that? That's a lot of fun. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. So, yeah. So that's all. I guess that's all we should say about that. I guess all yeah, I should say about that. Yeah, I hear, I hear that. So obviously, so we got some. Uh, we get a little alignment action on the persuasion. So either Talbot's either also a door closer or he's faking him out and doing a false alliance kind of thing. I or or what else, what else? Or, but I'm just telling you, with with, with this story, there's always an or. Mm. So. Well, that's exciting. Yes. I like ors. Yeah, wait, this this. This ain't no child's play. This is a hardcore author, man. This this dude knew, knew how to spin a tale and uh, and layer a tale. So. I wonder, and I also wonder, uh, just going into it, because I wonder how uh, PG, PG-13, R, or like NC-17 this is going to get. Uh, but anyway, so that's, that's just my own wondering about... Tone is interesting the, right now, so I wonder if the tone... I wonder if we're, getting, we're going to get dark, 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 or we're just going to get a little darker or not at all. But that's, it, it's it's predominantly PG. I'll go ahead and tell you it's predominantly PG thirteen. But um, but there's some there. It gets pretty heavy in a in a one one chapter in particular gets really heavy. So all right, very cool. Uh, uh, but anyway, so we'll get we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. So after uh, Talbot leaves, uh, Snuff is back out, and all of a sudden uh, we hear of another good dog. This is the second good dog he's gotten in this chapter, but this time it's a druid, and he's trying to poison our dog i guess the thing's thing reeked of exotic additives talking about like the hunk of beef that was thrown over yeah and i lo- love that yeah. snuff doesn't fall for it but what happens what happens next this is the kind we have some we have an attack right so he's like right. <laughs> uh the crazy witch's companion may be running out of steam about now and stuff's like what do you mean ding dong dell literally pussies in the well um <laughs> that's right so <laughs> We've got like a yeah. we've got a, an attack. Uh, yeah, the first true, I guess, overt act of violence, really, right? Yeah. So they've uh, Mars and Macab have thrown snuff in a well, and uh, in real time, as we're reading, she is down there, uh, running out of steam. Yeah, as, I think you said uh, snuff, but I think you yeah, meant gray malt. I'm sorry, I meant gray malt. Thank you very yeah. much for saying that. Uh, yeah. Of course I did. The cat's in the well, and that cat is gray malt. So yeah, and so yeah. What is um, snuff goes to rescue? Right? Is that what happens? That is what happens, right? Does um, and um, you know, there's there's an interesting commentary here by Quicklime though uh, that we we shouldn't probably gloss over, and uh, he mentions that uh, that uh, he's played the game before, and he's concerned because he knows that players should wait until after the death of the moon. Begin eliminating other players. I did. But then he says, qualifying statement, he says, uh, Morris and McCab are new to these affairs. So, that's right. So, you know, going back to the whole etiquette thing versus rules, you know, substantive rules versus procedural etiquette. Exactly. Back to law school. The way way things are done. That is a cool thing because I remember reading that and like, ooh, what's the death of the moon? I imagine it's. Just the cycle of the moon. Which what's it? What is it called when the moon's out? But it's dark like that. It's called mm, something, right? Anyway, it's some type of moon. But maybe maybe they'll mention. I'm sure it it's called later. something. There's a name for every moon, bro. Yeah. Don't don't. Um. Do so that. yeah. Um. Yeah. But um. So uh, yeah, snuff goes and rescues Gray Malt from the well, and uh, see the first 
that's a that's a very significant act. I mean, you know, being unsure of her persuasion and whatnot, as uh, as Jacks warned him. But uh, he goes and does uh, does what he feels to be the right thing and saves his friend Greymock uh, from drowning. Interesting so, that Quicklime, uh, not really that Quicklime didn't rescue himself. Quicklime's a snake, and uh, what a what a snake would have done in that situation. Could have done interesting anything. that he that that Quicklime came to snuff. Yeah, you wonder. Well, I mean, would he have done anything if if he could have? And one one thinks perhaps because he did at least come and tell the dog that the cat's in the well. Yeah, and, uh, so significant stay gesture. The, stay by the code. So that ends. The chapter ends with yeah. You know, them just uh, basically. You know, their alliances. I mean, obviously, their their relationship is closer now. He just saved just saved her life. Yeah. Um, we, we do have a little reveal of a motivation when Greymalk says that Crazy Jill stole some herbs from Marcy McCab and that Nightwind must have seen that happen. So there's a little retribution uh, involved. There's a surface motivation anyway. So, right. And we got another and, little. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I, I was just saying, you know, there's a there's a there's a nod of gratitude toward the end there as as Gray is about to depart. One wonders at first if it's going to happen. And then she turns in passing and says, you know, Hey, thanks. So that's fascinating. Um, yeah. And I was going to do, uh, I was, if you would indulge me, I was going to do something in these chapters. I have this thing that I call, um, Cormac words, C-R-M-A-C as in Cormac McCarthy, who's again, one of my <laughs> absolute favorite right. authors. And yeah, I know you're a fan, I think too, but you know, oh, yeah. Cormac is given to, is given to an unbelievably un, you know, many unconventional aspects of his writing, but he uses big, 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 big words sometimes. So I call them Cormac words. And we have a Cormac word in this chapter. Uh, many people, if there are any listeners who have a much more extensive vocabulary than I, and, and perhaps you do as well. Uh, but it's called sibilant, S-I-B-I-L-A-N-T. And um, it, it means this refer when it's, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, making or characterized by a hissing sound. So we're talking about the snake and, uh, the sibilant voice and the hissing and all this stuff. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. So I love that. And yeah, please, your no, keep, yeah, and yeah. keep doing that. I dig that. When I think of sibilant, I think of the, um, the, the cartoon version, the older version of, uh, the jungle book with the snake yeah. tempting, you know, yeah. it's always, always, you know, whatever super sucks. Yeah. I, I or Ricky, I, Ricky Ticky Tavy with uh, what's the nag? Isn't the nag the cobra? Yeah. Oh my yeah, yeah. I would not have been able to name yeah. nag. Yeah. This is the mongoose, right? Ricky Ticky Tavy. Is that what it was? Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. I forgot all about that. That was great That's, stuff. Classic. That was great. Classic. That was great stuff. All right. So, uh, chapter nine. We uh, they're out. They're getting stuff. Uh, they pause in the corner of Soho. The Great Detectives Canyon came out of the fog and approached us. So we've got another fun meeting here. Who who are we meeting with this time? Mm. Uh, the meeting with the Great Detective. You talking about? Indeed. Yeah. Um, so they bump into him as they're gathering their stuff, and then we get a big um, a, a big word drop here from uh, uh, the Great Detective when he says. Uh, as you as you may know, his his quote was uh, "something's afoot." I dare say. So that that lingo, that verbiage, may may uh, ring a bell too from from uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's uh, universe there. So we got a, we got a very overt Sherlock Holmes uh, hint here. So yeah, 
And that's um, fun. Yeah. And, and, you know, it just ends with Jack telling Snuff to remember that man. Um, so is that, that's, is that the detective we're talking about when he yeah. said, remember that man? Yeah, that, okay. that, that yeah. is, that is, that is, um, and I, I love it. And now it's another meeting of, of badasses again, though, which, which I, I absolutely. Like. And we don't know their relation. We don't know their corresponding role or relative roles. And it's just, yeah, there's just supernatural players, players, and they just, you know, uh, command respect of one another. And it's, it's, it's fascinating thing. And perfectly polite again, and very, you know, all these surface manners, but again, who knows what's going on beneath. They're both, you know, checking each other out. Yeah. It's very British. If you think about it, it's very, uh, um, ceremonial gentlemanly like combat to the death. You know, one thinks of, uh, the Queensberry rules of boxing or, uh, you know, rules for fencing and duels and, uh, you know, the, the maintenance of a, of a gentlemanly effect throughout all of these things. And it's, it's very British yeah. <laughs> from an American our, author. So he's very, let's kill ourselves like civilized people. And then we get Larry Talbot um, comes it, back. He does. And he's, he's got questions this time, huh? Yeah, he does. Doesn't he? What does he, yeah. what does he have questions about? Yeah. He wants, he wants to know if, uh, Jack knows the count and, uh, and, um, Says that uh, flat out says that he and the count go way back. This is Larry Talbot talking. He, count and I go way back, and uh, just makes a call on the spot there. I, I suspect that he's an opener. And again, these words are not bandied about with any sort of acknowledgement at this point. Uh, but but he says that, and and Jack kind of just you know gives a polite nod. At, I envision and uh, move on. But um, he reveals nothing about the significance of that word or, or anything of that of that nature. So. Yeah, um, but mean, we have a we have powerful we got a powerful flashback too. You notice this, Michael? It's the first flashback we really have, and it's snuff flashes flashes back to when he and uh, Gray went and found uh, the counts the counts quarters, and uh, it kind of fills in some um, some gaps there. And uh, as you'll recall, he, he discusses finding the lair, and he discusses you know it's what you might expect: coffin on trestles and. Um, um, no, mirror. no mirror in there. Jack, you're right. There you go. Jack asks if there's a mirror. No, of course not. And needle is up there hanging from the roots in this subterranean cave like, uh, cavern. So that, um, that fills in a lot of supposedly fills in a lot of blanks about the, the count and, and knowing where his residence is and how that figures into the, the diagramming that snuff is and, and others as well, but snuff predominantly are, are doing. So, you know, it's all these anchor points of who lives where that we're not quite sure what that means, but right. Uh, this seems to be a significant confirmation at this point. Completely. We're yeah. filling in, filling in some gaps some question marks. We're getting some orientations. We also have a, um, a fun little like ticking clock a little bit because in the previous chapter, it talked about there shouldn't be any attacks until the moon, the death of the moon. And then we have, in this chapter, when he's talking to Larry Talbot, uh, Jack says, eight days more till the death of the moon. Are you a moonwalker, right. Larry? So now we've got in our heads now, we know this is, I forgot what chapter, we're on the ninth, right? So now we've got like till the 17th when maybe, or 16th or 18th, or depending on how they're counting it, uh, when just all hell can break loose and everybody can just start attacking, I guess. Right. Which could be fun. Right. So we think. Yeah. yeah and, so and so I we love think. The, I exactly. love the argument. 
So I love the Are You a Moon Watcher, Larry? That's a dun dun moment. Right. Right <laughs> Just so casual, yeah. too. Are you a moon watcher? Like they know it exactly yeah, know. what it means. It's so fun. Right, right. <laughs> and Snuff shows us Snuff shows his friend Graymalk the uh the things in the mirror, and she's very intrigued by it. I thought this was a kind of a cool little little interplay between the two. And, I uh, did too, but and then but this is interesting, and I think you've kind of been hinting at you know uh, things after they do that, and they, he walks her back to Jill's, and she says, "I can't invite you in or show you any of our stuff." I'm afraid. So, like the exchange right. of information is not going both ways, really. Here, you know, I, I, I think it just speaks to the fact that we don't know. You know, almost as if there's a third layer of rules. It's like. Between the, the 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 animals and their and their and their people, um, yeah. Do there are there certain codes within you know between those two and each team, so to speak, or each unit? Do they have particular house rules? And it's seeming clear that they that they probably do. So, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So and and I love at the end when uh, when Snuff comments that uh, you know, there's nothing left to do. We watch each other. That's what he's, he's kind of, you know, it's kind of winding down the chapter and he's like, you know, all the, all the whole blues over, but now I'm just going to watch everyone. Cause that's what we do in, in this, uh, affair, so to speak. So. Yeah. Cool. I love that. I love that too. All right. So on to October 10th and, uh, so, uh, on October 10th, we're, we're introduced, uh, to a rainy day. And, uh, as one might expect outside of London, uh, you know, to me, I kind of got the sense uh, during this whole rainy day narrative that in the early stages of this, whatever this affair is, um, and as you noted before the death of the moon, right, things are not so urgent at this point that rain won't won't you know keep folks inside and, and kind of hanging toward the house instead of going out and about so much. So it's you see a little bit of normalcy in life still at this point. Um, anyway, that was kind of my view of of. Uh, of the, the rain coming and it just kind of makes everyone slow down a bit. So things must not be too horrible at this point. Yeah, I hear that. And I, and I like how, you know, snuff, the water is coming towards the thing in the circle. And the implication seems to be that if water would make it to the circle, therefore breaking the circle, that the thing in the circle would then be out of the circle. But anyway, the imagery of this thing, I think it's like surfing, almost surfing on the water, right? Surfing a leak to get out of the circle. And, um, yeah, I thought that's kind of neat. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, what 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 significance does water have in this whole thing? And certainly, uh, you know, it's one of those elements, one of those ele- elemental elements, you know, and uh, we don't know what, what role water is going to play in this whole thing. And especially given the characters that are involved, it's just too, yeah, just, just don't know. Um, but yeah, that's cool. And Snuff comes in and mops up all the water and, you know, takes him to takes takes the thing to task and, and puts him back in. So it's kind of neat. Snuff's always on, on, on the spot and uh, very, very diligent and vigilant. Yeah. So uh, back to the poison meat, too, in this chapter. Uh, you mentioned, you know, that Owen tried to, to lure, lure uh, Snuff with some, some uh, what, what was it called? Uh, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't chemicals, but spices so, or whatever. Just, just goes, very, yeah, additives or something like that. Or additives. Like, yeah. Exactly. So he... Snuff uh, thumbs his nose, digs up the meat, and of course puts it on Owen's front porch. So uh, I thought that was that was kind of cool. Exactly, message um, received, message given. There you go. That's right. That's right. Not quite a touche, but it's the 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 thing before the touche, right? Yeah. And um, 
So we, we, we see some weird, we kind of look into Owen's life for the first time here, this man of Druidic persuasion, they just call the Druid now. Um, we see um, a bunch of wicker baskets in, in, in phases of creation, it seems, that, that Owen as a Druid must be a, a weaver, and he's making these big old, big old wicker baskets. And, and then we see ropes and a ladder. And uh, it just we're kind of left with that image, and we're trying to figure out what Owen has to do in this whole thing. It's yeah, tease. And I like how Zelazny yeah. has snuff say just just little things, you know, little hints. Like I mean, your reader picks up on him regardless. But like you know, such industry mm-hmm. for a frail-looking old guy, you know, like just in case right. you didn't you, you didn't notice this reader, you know, pay attention to what's exactly. going on here. Something something's up. There's a con- it's that contrast, right? It's that duality. That's what I was trying to think of. It's like, you just don't know what's going on in this whole thing. And it, and it goes down to the micro level. And, uh, yeah. But then, of course, we, we have an encounter with, um, with an even more uh, animated and uh, fun and powerful-ish character here. We kind of get good and friendly with the, the good doctor for the first time, right? Is that, yeah, that is, uh, that is next, right? Wait, is, where, yeah. is that next? Um, yeah, I think. Okay. No, so, I so, so what's happening is Snuff is, Snuff's out going over lines. He's going over his lines, and it takes him to the good doctor's place out on the outskirts of town. And he kind of peers great. in and sees what's peers in and sees what's going on. And uh, it's 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 a it's a first uh, you know big reveal about what this good doctor's up to, and you know it, it's it's in line with mo- what most of the readers are probably uh, probably suspecting. And uh, exactly, so it was seeing the leg move, which is fun. Yeah, we see a lot of uh, electricity. We see a lot of you know, there are clouds isolated over the the farmhouse, and he peers in and sees the tall man in the white coat um, doing something. And uh, uh, he's got an assistant, and they're frantically at work, and all kinds of hell's breaking loose around them. And there's a reference in there where he mentioned something about. he needed to see the Leyden, L-E-I or L-E-Y-D-E-N. I don't know if the it's a line might have picked I, up on that. Yeah, what is that exactly? Yeah, that that's um, it's it's um, it's an electrical component that stores voltage from an external source um, between electrical conductors on the outside. And so, if you watch the movie, you know it's. It's one of the it's one of the classic images from the Frankenstein movie is the you know the the it's alive and you have those glass jo- actually any sort of a an, a horror movie involving electricity that's in the gothic vein you know you'll see these is that like the double glass jars yeah yeah right yeah and uh, I, it made me think of young Frankenstein there which is hilarious hilarious wink wink nudge nudge act normal whatever that's right that's right say no more say no more so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but but we see this guy. Uh, there's something on the table that this doctor's tinkering with, and and this this thing on the table sits up, and um, and um, you know, um, so there we go. We kind of know what's going on um, mm-hmm. in the good the good doctor's house. So he's he's tinkering with life, perhaps going into places that man should not go. But who knows? <laughs> we, we are we are in a, we are in a different world where man shouldn't go to a lot of these places. So that's kind of out the window, is it not? That is exactly right. So, so we have this yeah. classic, classic uh, uh, horror character, and then and then we as he continues to make the lines and try to figure out what's going on. He's yeah. 
he meets another classic uh, horror character. With, uh, um, what, who, when he goes back to uh, Larry Talbot's place? Yeah, doesn't he? Uh, well, about? doesn't he go to the Count? Does he see the Count? Is this that chapter? Uh, he does. Oh. He does at the end. But, but first he goes back to Larry's. And I know we've already talked about Larry at great length, but there's an interesting... Uh, Another another comment that uh, Snuff makes, and it's uh, he sees that Larry's residence in the middle of the night is well lighted, and makes the comment, "quote Maybe he does indeed have a case of insomnia," you know. And he sees uh, Snuff Snuff finds a a, uh, a muddy paw print in Larry Talbot's gazebos, and he says that it is a match for the other one that he saw earlier that that you were so you know. Well, that's right. So that's our th- and astutely mentioning. I, th- I think that's our third. Um- our third reference to uh to the mysterious large paw print, or maybe 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 yeah right, one. yeah right, pretty pretty damn obvious at this point uh, actually when you think about it. But yeah, you know, back to that gen- that tension between the gentlemanly and the savage. You know, it's snuff watches Larry Talbot speaking sweetly to a flower in the middle of the night that he's <laughs> that he's holding there in his hands. So uh, yeah, but um, so you're right. We meet the camp. We we go we go. Uh, Snuff's um, calculations take him in the in the direction of the count's house and uh, the count's lair, excuse me. And you're right; he, we have an encounter with him, right? That's right. And again, uh, mm-hmm. like who is there? He's like, uh, he, I, so I like how Snuff goes is uttering an, an idiot series of yips. I rushed forward, wagging my tail furiously, and threw myself on the ground before him, rolling about like some attention-starved stray. Uh, and right. we get another we right. get another good dog. Another good dog. That's right. And I love the last, yep. very last line uh, of the chapter. His touch had been very cold. Talk about him. Very cold. Him. That's right. Yeah. That's so fun. you can see we're really kind of getting into the thick of things now, right? You can see sort of the, the foreshadowing and the subtle hints are starting to get a, le- a, a bit less subtle. So, Ex- Exactly. Um, it, yeah, I think, I think that kind of covers the tenth uh, pretty darn well. You know, the 11, you were mentioned earlier about how um, – and short some of these chapters are and i you know as i said when you in response some of them get outrageously short so we're faced uh you know on the 11th and the 12th we see some extraordinarily short not not a whole lot of text not a whole lot of copy here um no that's very but, true um, we do we still have some interesting stuff going on uh and i yeah. i thought this was yeah. this was fun in october 11th he's talking about making his rounds again uh and the, we have the good doctor, let's see, familiar voice in the grove. That, sir, it's the same dog. And so we're back here with um, the great detective at Watson. And, you know, they set up Watson and, and Snuff as having a little kind of a fun relationship. But this is, there's an interesting yeah. little um, aside from Snuff on this. Because as Watson is saying, yeah, I noted the markings. His, they're identical. He has the same limp in his left foreleg, the same shredded right ear. We get a little clue into Snuff's backstory a little bit when he says, old war injuries, disagreement with a mindless guy in the West Indies long ago. Mm. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. that's fun. You know, again, I don't know if Snuff's always been a dog or not. Uh, you know, we don't necessarily know what he was beforehand or if he was called to this. What? We also don't know, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, this could be stretching it. But it says mindless guy, and given the world that we're in, I think of a zombie. So I don't know if that's like a, a, a reference to that or not, but it's it's fun to think about. 
And I would assume that the uh, reference to the West Indies would also bolster that suspicion because, you know, the the uh, Caribbean down there is, is uh, you remember the movie The Serpent and the Rainbow? I was about we to kids? bring that up. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the Caribbean down there is uh, is there's a lot of voodoo and there's and zombification. Um, there's a very rich history slash, you know, controversial history of of uh, zombie-like things happening down there in that area because of uh, because of voodoo practice. So yeah, it's 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 a neat it's a neat the mindless coupled with that it does make you suspect largely that something was going on uh, zombie-wise. And but you know how that plays into this, who knows? Who knows? That movie freaked it's me very out. cool. <laughs> me too. It's it it very really unpleasant when you're. I don't, I don't know how old we were when we saw that, but that that that. I we were know. young, dude. I remember it. it. We were maybe eleven, I think. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, it, it was, yeah. Maybe less. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, but it was still. It was a spooky movie. It was. We shouldn't have been seeing it at age eleven. I tell you that. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Back in those days, we, we it was quite rated R. And I don't. Anyway, they were kind of strict about that stuff before the before the interwebs. That's right. Um, so at the, at the end of the chapter, we. Basically, are are where Snuff is kind of he's done his line several times now. He thinks he knows what's going on. He's he says I withdrew and cut a straight line from there to the Count's crypt. The results were interesting and even more so when I ran in a line from there to the good doctors. I did several more thereafter, confirming my results. So we're getting close mm-hmm. to maybe knowing where the center of whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. So we think. So it seems. Uh, Snuff so is so feeling seems, pretty confident. And, yeah, I mean, I'll stop saying that. But, but I did. I didn't know I won't because it's it's important to you know things are never as they seem. Um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, Snuff is at least feeling confident. And you know, there's a. I think I think Roger Zelazny, the author, does a really good job of um, of, of conveying just how earnest. Uh, Snuff is in his endeavors, and just just how, di- like I said before, diligent and vigilant he is. So yeah, well, he, he is he is he's he's a good boy. He's doing his job, and it matters, and he's he's conscientious, and he's serving his uh, master. It's kind of lovely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, October twelfth is our shortest chapter, and and man, do I love this, especially that last paragraph. Um, it starts off with slow day. And it's just one page. It's three paragraphs or four paragraphs. But I, I want to read the last paragraph, uh, if that's cool with you. Um, sure. Because it's Absolutely. just so... I don't know. I just love this shit. I took Jack's slippers this evening and lay at his feet before a roaring fire while he smoked his pipe, sipped sherry, and read the newspaper. He read aloud everything involving killings, arsons, mutilations, grave robberies, church desecrations, and unusual thefts. It is very pleasant just being domestic sometimes. So I just love that so much because I love the whole roaring fire. We've had some rain a couple of days ago. We've got share. We've got the smoking of the pipe. And then we've got this very pleasant domestic scene talking about killings, arsons, mutilations, grave robberies. I just, that's a fun. Absolutely. It's it's, 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 it's a great scene. It's a great chapter because, you know, again, it's the real life, you know, real life goes on and it's not, nothing's, breakneck at this point and it's just you know these characters have a life and they enjoy things like sipping sherry and being by the fire and repose and i tell you michael I, one of my favorite sort of 
tropes, themes, whatever you want to call it, and, and not just gothic fiction, but horror movies, even the really, you know, over the top, cringy ones. But I, Bram Stoker did this well. I love this when people are on a quest of some sort or up to a task of, of supernatural nature and, and there's a struggle and there's going to be an epic clash and there are scenes when they strategize back in their own, uh, you know, their their little uh, retreats or their home bases. And you get a sort of a warmth. It's like the danger's out there, but we're going to sit here and we're going to talk about it. And we're going to be, and, and it's, and they're usually involved, you know, sipping sherry or something like that. I think uh, the, uh, it reminds me of the, the, there's a scene in, in the movie Bram Stoker's Dracula where they're, on the train heading to find the, to find Dracula and kill him. And they're kind of like sharpening their knives and polishing their guns and, you know, sipping whiskey and talking amongst themselves and Van Helsing. I love that. I think this is an example of that. I mean, I think it's really cool to me. Yeah. It is anyway. Uh, I agree. I think 100%. it's kind of maybe what you were sort of getting at. Yeah. C- completely. It's the calm before yeah. the storm. It's the safe refuge. It's also just the pacing of with you know the author, like kind of doling out the action and doling out moments. We need moments to collect ourselves. You know, the this kind of section started off pretty active, and now we're kind of winding up to a new thing. It's a little, almost a transition as well. Uh, yeah, yeah and, and, I dig and, it too. Yeah, yeah. And, and but we do, you know, like you were saying, we do hear some. You know, there's some funny stuff. I mean, uh, the thing in the circle tries to seduce Snuff again by becoming a greyhound, and. Uh, Snuff Snuff's uh, comment to the to the reader is you know he, that he never likes skinny girls. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the comic relief is there for us. It's there for us. And uh, yeah, we also learned that um, that uh, Gray Malk tells Snuff that um, Nightwind Nightwind had grabbed Quicklime and dumped him into the Thames River. So there's another oh, lots of right. lots of physical violence heating up, notwithstanding you know that it's not the death of the moon yet. Yeah. So. That's, that's I had forgotten about that. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So we, yeah. And, so uh, this- you know, there's also a reference, of course. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say there's a dead anemic reference. I don't know if we remember that when it was a, there's a report of a bunch of anemia among the neighbors, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's Snuff said he's just glad straight it. up says, no, that he's just, he's glad that the count doesn't do dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot of stuff's out. A lot of stuff's out of the bag here as, as we wear on toward the middle. Middle of the month, you know? So. Yeah, completely. I do. I love this chapter, though. I, I love it. It's a great chapter. Yeah, it just sets the scene. It's just, it's just this nice pause. Uh, because in the next chapter, we've got, we've got, we're back to action again. A lot of stuff going on in here. Um, October yes. 13th is where this is, this was a fun scene to me as well. Uh, basically, we have, uh, a new character is going to be introduced, but first of all, we just have like a, the urgency. We have Needle outside Jack and Snuff's house begging to get in. And I like how like Snuff's like, I know better than to invite you guys inside. Uh, yeah, I know. Isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like, that's the boss. I'm just a bat. <laughs> right. Right. And, um, and did you notice what he winds up eating? What he winds up eating? Michael it's Owl. Fruit, uh, right? He, yeah, yeah. Does that, does that throw Ridiculous. you back to our childhood? Any of uh, them? But yeah, book of which you were particularly fond again. Yeah. I, Vanicula. Exactly, Vanicula. Go ahead. Yeah, the, it was the, uh, the, this book, Vanicula, third or fourth grade, and, you know, a rabbit who mm-hmm. drains the juice out of vegetables. Uh, that's right. There's a company, I uh, forgot the name of them, but a friend of mine 
was their first model, I think. Um, but they do they take old cool. book covers and you know turn them into T-shirts. And there's there's a Benicula one that I've been circling for for a couple of years now. Oh, but eventually, that I, is so cool. That's like the coolest business idea, <laughs> and that's such a cool thing they did. Benicula, but yeah, the Bunny Dracula. Obviously, it's a portmanteau of Bunny and Dracula. So anyway, we digress, but it's fun because yeah. you know these. These themes, these themes in horror, they just, it's the threads there, man. And it's just a rich tapestry, right? So cool. Exactly. Fun, fun to play with. And also in the, so in our new character who is about to come yes. up here is also okay, here a, we go. a classic <laughs> gothic mystery, British um, murder in the countryside. We've got a vicar. <laughs> oh, we do. We do indeed have the vicar. Vicar. Vicar Roberts. Vicar Roberts is is introduced to us. He is a frenetic character, and he is uh, going to be a lot of fun going forward. Um, he is obviously, as we can guess, he's probably going to be pretty darn significant in this whole thing. Um, a couple of interesting things. I don't know. I, I, did you like how he uh, how Zlazny describes him and characterizes him physically? I thought he did such a good job of that. Um, so uh, maybe talking about that. Uh, well, I, I, you know, it, it, it leads into leads into another Cormac word of mine, but it talks about how he's Dundrearied, Dundrearied, pardon me, D-U-N-D-R-E-A-R-I-E-D. And uh, that's big, almost character-like flowing sideburns, but with a oh, bare chin. You know, it's, nice. so, yeah. So, and it, it's interesting, too, Zelazny, it speaks volumes to his uh, perspective and his his seriousness in, in terms of this narrative that he uses Dundreary as a reference for that sort of a look instead of using, you know, General uh, Ambrose Burnside, who's an American, you know, who, yeah, who, who had that yeah. uh, that same look and who said the term sideburns, but he instead used a British reference instead um i thought that was kind of cool but lord dundreary it's for, he's from a play uh, you're a theater guy i don't i had never heard of tom taylor uh play called our american cousin i've never heard of that but if anybody would have you would have so. i've heard of our american cousin but I, I just don't know i didn't know that that name and i've never and i completely just glossed over this word didn't even notice it uh dundreary but i, I hmm. dig it that's a good word well see that's what i'm talking about in terms of the physical imagery yeah and yeah it's short, short, rotund dude with these crazy ass sideburns, and he's uh he's gone quite gone gone quite loopy as well. He's wigged out as we as we find out. Um, <laughs> that's uh you know so uh, so needle uh um you know needle talks. He actually uses the phrase "the vicar's wigged out." The vicar's wigged out, and of course the vicar shows up at the door um, and. Uh, Trying to find this uh, this this uh, devil's minion who has taken retreat in Jack and Snuff's home, uh, and uh, that's an interesting that was an interesting exchange at the door. I thought um, when he tries to get in, and Jack dispenses with him pretty handily. Uh, but man, there was a neat little interplay here, and, and again, it goes back to the tension between the gentlemanly and the savage. But we really see um, Jack and Snuff's place uh, revealed kind of as a as a, as a almost a safe house. Uh, 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 Snuff calls it a place of peace and refinement. And, uh, and then, uh, and, you know, Jack gives, gives shelter to, uh, of course, to uh, Needle and uh, allows him to sit there and, and eat the fruit and all that jazz. And, and even does something really, really cool toward the end when 
the, the vicar who's gone quite nuts is in a theistic frenzy. He thinks that the bats are going, he's, he's going around with a crossbow, taking pot shots at any bat or bat-like creature he sees. And uh, he shows up just all riled up at the door and talking about the devil's work and the creatures of darkness and how dare you give harbor to a creature of darkness and I shall have him. And we can guess how that goes over between the short, fat vicar and, and Jack. Uh, <laughs> short work is made of him. But but he, Jack goes back in and says to Needle something along the lines of, you know, you horrible creature of the dark, you're, you're, you're welcome here. And you can even have a peach or something along those lines. That's exactly so, just you know, creature it, of the night, living blasphemy, because that was what the one of the one of the vicar's things he had said. Uh, you're yes. safe here. You can even have a peach if you like. It. And again, you're right. That's just it was such peach. A, okay, <laughs> it's, it was peach. Yeah, it's such a great moment. Yeah, you, I mean, you just, this is how we run you just get shit. Hmm. Exactly. And Jack's run running the shit, and uh, we're starting to just see just how. Um, hmm present and uh the wherewithal that jack has as a character there's just something you can just tell there's something cosmically cosmically really special about this guy other other than just the fact he's involved with this crazy ass supernatural game you know in in my in my opinion yeah everything's in in my opinion in your opinion i understand (laughs) yeah um yeah but um so we also uh you know there's mention do you remember the mention of the uh the vicar's vision do you, do you recall that? I um, do. So, that uh, if, be... Go ahead. Well, I just, at first when I read it, I thought it was just kind of tongue in cheek. Cause he's like, you know, uh, you know, why does he, why is he doing all this? You know, well, there's two, there's two things. Uh, I want, I'll get to the, that the, that one at the first, but there's a, like how straight, like, so, Vicar Roberts has become convinced there's something unnatural in the neighborhood. Uh, he said, "Right." And it's like, how strange! What might have led him to that belief? You know, like <laughs> the bodies with no blood left them, and the people with anemia who all seem to have had vivid dreams involving bats. You know, things like that. Yeah, don't so know that, why you think that. <laughs> exactly. So I love that tone, and then we get into this, and I, I think there's another. For me, this would be a Cormac word. I'm going to let you bring it up and see if you 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 marked it as well. Uh, but he's mm, like, uh, I have. Because <laughs> nobody also claims to have had a vision concerning a society of wretched individuals and their familiars. So we have familiars. They are using that word, we preparing did. for yep. some big psychic event which will place them at odds with each other and threaten the safety of humanity. <laughs> which is just kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And the vampire business was the first sign. He the, the, he says, bigger. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. The tongue in cheek. You know, the what would have given him that idea? No clue. Yeah, uh, but but then it also at the same time it's not just it's not just goofy. It was kind of is is the first black and white in terms of you know, ink on paper uh, mention of you know sort of a large Cliff's Notes version of perhaps what's going on. You know, uh, right? And when he's so and yeah. exactly so it's kind of like the this is this is what's up. This is might be part of the game or this might be what the game is. And then he says, "I wonder yeah. what Busybottom sent him that vision." Right. So that's a fun little thing. It is. So we're seeing perhaps another skill in, in, in the toolboxes of these players. Uh, perhaps there's a uh, telepathic element here where, where people can tinker with each other's minds and suggest uh, suggest things and put, put, put notions into folks' heads. And you wonder how the vicar, why was the vicar the target of that, if he was indeed? Um uh, we don't know his we don't know his role at this point. Um, 
so yeah, it was, it was, a this is a, this is a cool reveal, um, cool reveal of, of the, uh, of the vicar. And it sort of gets into his psyche a bit, you know, um, the psyche of the crazed madman who's shooting crossbow bolts at bats. <laughs> the, yeah. I think perhaps the Cormac, the Cormac word you were talking about, you want to, what do you have highlighted? Cause I think uh, it's the same one I did. Sanguinary. Oh, sanguinary. Okay. Yeah. There's another one too, but yes, yeah, sanguinary. I think we know. You know salubrious. Is vampire your, fiction. Is that your other salubrious? salubrious? is the other one. Yeah. There we go. But why don't you take sanguinary? Why don't you uh, take sanguinary? Relating to blood. Figures. Blood things. Correct. Um, Correct. So yeah, that's, that, that's, I have a, it's, there's a, I have a book called uh, Sherlock Holmes and the sanguinary count is the name of it. And oh, fun. Uh, it's a, you know, it's one of those putting Dracula and Sherlock Holmes together, but, uh, yeah, so that's when I first had to really take note of that. I was like, let me make sure I know what that means. Because I remember like in grade school, we learned what sanguine meant, but I, I had to refresh my memory. So that's a Cormac word for sure. And then, of course, salubrious. They, there's suggestion that perhaps the, uh, the parishioners will, will rise up against their mad vicar and send him off to a spa, uh, a, a salubrious spa somewhere in America or something like that. I forget what he says. And yes, salubrious, S-A-L-U-B-R-I-O-U-S means life-giving or healing. So makes you think of uh, warm springs here uh, near our near our hometown, Michael. That's us, uh, where, yeah. Where FDR used to take refuge in, in the salubrious springs uh, there, there in Warm Springs, Georgia. So, That's right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, Thousand dollar words. They're great. They are indeed. <laughs> But uh, but unfortunately, yeah. it's it is not the case with the parishioners because they are they were out there as well with crossbows apparently. So we've got that's right a possible mob kind of mentality going on. It's it feels like this is big time. You know, we had everybody kind of everybody's working together, but we can tell there's different kind of teams. You know, there's going to be openers and closers. It looks like, um, yep. but everybody kind of felt like they were going by the same code until now. This feels like a shift that we might have like antagonists and if somebody is also sending him visions you know if that's not just kind of mental illness and he's crazy but somebody's actually sending them now we kind of have like an overt um a more overt antagonist at least in the wings uh coming absolutely because what we shift from is just you know we shift from just a crazy a crazy vicar to uh, is this a case of mass hypnosis almost right yeah, and there's uh, and oh, worse. I, there's yeah. certainly references to that in like the gothic horror that this is uh, you know homaging. Uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then Things I have, we have a, fun. We have a great line here towards the end of the chapter with talking about uh, the different folks uh, trying to get the information out. Uh, I think as far as I can tell, Larry Talbot doesn't have a non-vegetable companion. <laughs> he can take care right. of himself. I think so. Back to him talking to the plants, uh, more right. clues with the paw. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So what does that mean for, I mean, you, you know, it's it's obvious where we're going here, but what does this mean for Larry if he doesn't have a familiar or a companion or a, I forgot what the other word I, that we're using is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, what you can glean, you can kind of glean some things at this point again. It's pretty obvious where we're going, but, but what's it mean? You know, what, what's the significance in this, in this whole deal? So. Exactly. How is it going to all fit together? So it's, it's, it's fun. Like I would say it's getting good. I've enjoyed the whole thing. It's getting good, but like it's, it's heating up a little bit. I mean, we had nice yeah. kind of relaxing. The action to become. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Action's becoming more brisk. You know, the, the, the yeah, it's more frenzied almost. Yeah. Completely, completely. Uh, so let's stop there for this week. Uh, I'm excited to, uh, to read uh, later today and to keep, keep going because it is kind of setting up very nicely. Uh, let's get to the, uh, the important stuff of uh, it, will Georgia beat Vanderbilt today? Uh, yeah, I think, I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> you know, Vanderbilt was a spoiler for us quite a few times, as you recall, during our miserable, miserable football days when you and I were at the University of Georgia. Um, so, you know, I don't ever want to take them lightly, but, you know, we are 31 and a half point favorites, I think. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think we'll stretch our legs on this one. And I think we'll get some some folks rotating in who need some reps. And, uh, you know, my hope is that we jump on it. We need to use this as a practice scrimmage, not a scrimmage. That's horrible. We need to use this as an opportunity to jump on them fast in the first half. Exactly. If that makes any sense. So, Do you, do you think right. we'll cover 31? Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think we'll cover thirty one. I'll say uh, I'll say we win by twenty eight. Um, it's kind of like, oh, what's the difference between? I, that's that's just where I'm. That's kind of what I feel. We win by four touchdowns, but I don't think we're gonna. I don't. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. I hear it. I hear it. Uh, Stan Merritt, thank you for doing this. Anything else we want to say about this this week of reading? Uh, no, I don't believe anything that we haven't already said, but, um, it's, 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 it's a blast and I'm, I'm glad we're getting really into the thick of things. And to your point, uh, even the stuff that's not in the thick of things is really delightful in this book, you know, like the, the imagery and, and the, the repose in the study and things. It's just, it's just great altogether, but we're starting to plot, <laughs> the plot thickens. <laughs> Sorry, that was, oh, see what I did there. Yeah. I mean, all these <laughs> overt references to, so plot well, thickens. I, I'm having a blast, and I'm, I hope everybody else is having a blast. I hope you're having a blast, and this is this is great fun. Thank you for letting me do this with you. Oh, I'm I'm loving it. All right, until next week, in the Daga Homie. Until we meet again. Bye.